Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. God's beloved people, grace to you in peace from God our Creator and from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This wasn't a run-of-the-mill dinner party. Jesus and his traveling companions were in Jerusalem for the Passover holiday. Bethany was on the outskirts of Jerusalem, so Jesus' dear friends, Martha and Mary and Lazarus, took the opportunity to host a dinner party in his honor. The siblings hadn't been expecting to host any celebrations for a long time to come. Their household had been in mourning, having lost their brother Lazarus to death. But in a miraculous gesture of love, Jesus disrupted their expectations. He loosened the grip of death and raised Lazarus to life. The one who had been lying in the tomb was now seated at the dinner table, taking part in the conversation with the other men, enjoying the hospitality of his sisters and the other servants, enjoying the feast. It was a grand occasion. Until Mary did a little disrupting of her own. We don't know much about Mary of Bethany, but we do know that she was not bound by people's expectations of her, a quality which irritated her sister Martha from time to time. Instead of standing by the table like some Downton Abbey servant waiting for someone to need something, Mary had her own need, her own desire that she acted upon. In a bold gesture of gratitude and love, she knelt at Jesus' feet and bathed them in a costly essential oil. It wasn't just any oil. Spikenard came all the way from the Himalayan mountains. Its primary use was to embalm the corpses of the wealthy. Perhaps it was left over from Lazarus's burial, or maybe it was an item that well-to-do households kept on hand, I don't know. Mary poured the oil over Jesus' feet. And as if this weren't intimate enough, she unbound her hair, that age-old emblem of female sexuality, and wiped his feet with her locks. Awkward. <laughs> I can almost hear the needle scratching across the vinyl, can't you? This was no polite, proper, thank you, Jesus. This was embodied, whole person love and adoration. 
Like the father in last week's parable who killed the fatted calf and spared no expense in celebrating his son's return, Mary poured out her heart. The whole house was filled with the fragrance of her gratitude and devotion. Quite a contrast to the stench of death that had filled the house. Mary's action was impossible to ignore. What do you say or do in the face of such extravagant, expressive love? Please pass the lentils. Things came to a stop, I'm sure. Judas decided the proper response was to admonish Mary, to do a little mansplaining about what should have been done with the valuable perfume. The Gospel writer makes it very clear that Judas's concern for the poor was not at all sincere. As one commentator put it, if there's anything worse than not caring about the poor, it's pretending to care about them. Judas sounds ethical, logical, even concerned, but I recognize an attempt to shame when I smell it. I think Judas wanted to put Mary in her place. What was she thinking? This is foolish waste, irrational, improper, overly emotional. Leave it to us to handle the valuable resources, Mary. You go help your sister in the kitchen. It's a very familiar script to a lot of women, and it stinks. Mary didn't need to be put in her place. She knew her place. It was at the feet of Jesus. This is where she sat and learned from him, where she soaked up his wisdom and teaching. These were the feet she had cared for when he had walked the long journey to their home. They were the feet with a difficult journey ahead of them, a journey that would lead again to a tomb. Mary knew her place and her purpose. The moment had come to bathe Jesus in all the love and tenderness and care she could muster before sending him on his way to face what was ahead of him in Jerusalem. She poured it all out. I wonder how long the fragrance of nard lingers. Do you think Jesus could still catch a whiff of it when he stood before Pilate? Or when he carried the cross up the hill toward his death? I don't know. But I do know that Jesus understood the value of Mary's action. He called Judas out, stop it, leave her alone. She gets it. She understands what time it is, a time for extravagant love. Jesus pointed to Mary as a model of discipleship. Discipleship, particularly as portrayed in John's Gospel, is not about the proper following of rules. It is whole person love for Jesus and for each other. Love that calls forth what is best from us, what is most precious and most valuable. A love that involves our bodies and our souls, as well as our hearts and minds. Just a few days after this dinner party, Jesus will host another dinner. At that dinner, he will get up from the table, don a servant's towel, and kneel down to wash the feet of his disciples. Again, this loving action will disrupt, even scandalize those who are gathered, but it will succeed in reflecting the nature of God's love.
For we worship a God who has stooped down to meet us in our need, who became embodied in order to more fully and intimately love us. Christ became vulnerable as all of us are vulnerable. He experienced both the joy and the sorrow of being human, including the pain of death. He poured himself out in order that we may know the depth and intensity of God's love for us and for the world. What self-respecting God does this? It isn't logical. Some might even say it's foolish. But God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, Paul reminds us. And God's weakness is stronger than human strength. The fragrance of divine love found in Jesus Christ has permeated the church and the world for 2,000 years. It cuts through all of the odors that linger in the human family. Hypocrisy, arrogance, apathy, cowardice, a lust for power, all of those things we will hear in the coming weeks that lead to the death of Jesus. The sweet smell of divine love is more fragrant and eternal than all of these, even death. You and I have been bathed in this love, a love that both challenges and comforts, that disrupts our expectations at the same time it is the very balm that heals us and makes us whole. Anointed by this love, may we be the aroma of Christ, the sweet smell of God's love and God's life poured out for the healing of the world. Thanks be to God. Amen.